Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I'm Will Anderson from the title of the podcast. Guyton Grantley is today's guest. We actually recorded this interview over six months ago. This is a historical one, one from the vaults that uh, slipped through the cracks for no particular reason because I love Guyton and I like this episode and uh, I think mostly because of what we were talking about, which is Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, the uh, play that he is in, the Harry Potter play that he is in in Melbourne is, you know, pretty much sold out for about five years. So uh, there wasn't the urgent rush uh, of some of the other guests to plug their project, but I'm glad that I'm finally getting uh, to bring this one to you. It has previously been referenced on uh, other podcasts, but uh, haven't got to hear it until today. So I hope you enjoy this chat from the vaults with Guyton Grantley. Um, awesome dude. And uh, if you get a chance, if you're a Harry Potter fan, go and check out Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Even if you're not a Harry Potter fan, I had never read any of the books. I'd barely seen any of the movies and I went and saw it and I thought it was absolutely magnificent. So um, we talk a little bit about that in this podcast, but I can't really remember what else we talked about because it was so long ago. Hey, um, I've got some shows. If you want to come and see me do some shows, Brunswick Heads, less than two weeks away, I'll be doing my Will Inform show at the Brunswick Picture House. So if you're on the north coast of New South Wales or if you're on the Goldie, I'm not coming to the Goldie. So if you're from the Goldie and you want to come and see me, uh, maybe Brunswick Heads is the place to come and see the show. I will be doing a week of shows at the beautiful Brunswick Picture House. And then Adelaide Fringe Festival. I took last year off Adelaide Fringe, so I'm back. Will informed also at the Adelaide Fringe in a smaller venue this year because we decided a little bit late that uh, that we were going to go to Adelaide and uh, the submissions were already in. So um, I would say that uh, it'll probably all sell out. So if you want to come and see me do the show in Adelaide, don't be Adelaide about it because Adelaide are traditionally uh, people who book late. Um, I would say book early or you might have it, particularly for the weekends and stuff or you may miss out on coming to see the show. I reckon it's going to be an absolute cracker because uh, it's the show that I debuted at Melbourne last year, but obviously, um, you know, I'm sort of rewriting it and rethinking it a year down the track. So I think it's going to be a really cool thing to do, to be honest. So come out and see me in Adelaide. Uh, two weeks in Adelaide at the Adelaide Fringe. After that, the Melbourne Comedy Festival, I am going to be doing two weeks of Will Eagle, my show about being arrested, and then two weeks of my com- completely improvised stand-up show, What You Talking About, Will. Just did 10 shows of that at the Sydney Comedy Store. Had a ball. Even more fun than I could have imagined. Uh, not having the pressure to develop material, just being able to consider every show as an individual piece, as an individual show, was one of the most fun experiences, actually, I've ever had doing stand-up. I loved it. And uh, to be honest, I'd probably do five of them a week for the rest of my life if people would come and see them. But instead, I'm going to do 10 in Melbourne. Two weeks, uh, 10 shows, completely made up on the spot. If you've ever seen any of my written shows, um, you might have seen me do a little bit of crowd work at the start. It's just like that, but for the whole show. (laughs) Um, We weave together stories. We get to meet people. Um, Each of them has their own feel and flavor. It's a really good time. So... Uh, come out and see that, buy some tickets to come along and see what you're talking about. Well, there'll be other shows. In fact, there are other shows that are already on sale around the country. So uh, comedy.com.au if you want to check out the details. But they are the main headline ones. Brunswick Heads and Adelaide, you guys are coming up soon. So uh, start uh, getting on board and uh, getting your tickets if you want to come and see the shows. Uh, If you cannot come and see me do a show but you still want to support the podcast, patreon.com slash willosophy is the place to go. And this year... Uh, We are going to try to do some more stuff on the Patreon page, but uh, as of yet, we haven't got around to working out exactly what that might be, but we want to offer some extra value there for the people who support the show. All right, that's enough for now. Enjoy this episode with Guyton Grantley. (laughs) 
Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the title of the podcast. And uh, joining me today, well, this is how the podcast starts. You, uh, this guest doesn't really know what they're in for. And I always <laughs> like that. I always like when I say to somebody beforehand, do you know what you've signed yourself up no. for? And they're like, no, 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 no not really. No, no, so right. anyway, uh, basically, this is how the podcast starts. I ask you who you are. So who are you? Uh, my name is Guyton James Grantley. Oh, James. Oh, yes, yes. Guyton. My father named me and my brother, my brother and I, in case we would be knighted. So I would be Sir Guyton James Grantley, and my brother would be, who's Billy, would be Sir William Leonard Grantley. But, I... you, but you can't get knighted anymore. You just get an Order of Australia. Well, I mean, you could, uh, you have to do something in the UK and get sort of an honorary knighthood from the Queen, don't you? As an Australian, though. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think so. Right. No, I don't really care. It's, yeah. So anyway, no, I understand. Hi everyone. That. My name's Guyton, and I'm here. Well, it's good to have you here, Guyton. I appreciate that. But uh, William and James, very traditional names, and I know that because my name is William James Anderson. So <laughs> named after my two two ja- grandfathers. James is the best middle name. It's a pretty like yeah. it's a it's a real middle name filler, James. Yeah. Well, you can go the J, like yeah. Michael J. Fox, or mm. you know. You know, I don't I can't think of any at the moment, but yeah. <laughs> it's a good one of those. Just add the J if you want to like. When I was Jazz at, up your name. There was a lot of William, Jay Grantley, Will William J. James at my uh, primary school and like you know, kindergarten. And one of them got Billy Jack, which I never had heard before. But apparently that can, you can get Billy Jack from William Jones. Was he like from the Southern States of America? Like, no, this Billy was Jack? like, we're, we're talking about Hayfield, okay. you know, population of 1200 people, <laughs> country Victoria. It was, couldn't be further away from the, no. from America. <laughs> now, uh, you, it, can we just talk about the name? Because you do, you said you, your dad named you to be knighted, but uh, Guyton is a like a, it's a pretty distinctive name, isn't it? Like how how is it growing up with a distinctive name? Because you're from Brisbane, right? I'm from Brisbane. Yes. Uh, now, was Guyton Guyton wouldn't have been a particularly popular name in Brisbane. I'm the only one, yeah, that I know of. Uh, it's a surname. It's my great grandmother's maiden name. Oh, okay. Uh, and we think it's got French heritage, so it's like Giton or Guiton. Oh. Um, but actually, funnily enough, I, I moved here to Melbourne about seven years ago to do a TV show called House Husbands. And about three or four years ago, I was driving through a suburb called Paran, and there's this old pub with sandstone facade, and it had r.j.guyton. Um, established 1863 on the top of the facade. Right. And I was like, WTF? And uh, so I took a photo and sent it to dad and he sent it to his sister. And turns out they, she received this journal recently from Robert James Guyton. And so this bloke came over in the early 1800s or mid 1800s to go to Ballarat to look for the gold. Um, and apparently he did really well. Um, in the first week, found an ounce or something of gold, um, came back and um, then, oh, it doesn't matter, this is not important, but then went back and built a brick factory in Ballarat, did really well with that, right. and then came back and built the pub in Now, uh, just a technical question. When you're building a brick factory, what do you build that out of? <laughs> do you have to go mud, to another... Mud brick. I was going to say, yeah. you have to go to another brick factory. <laughs> That's brilliant. It's like, <laughs> it's like, we've got a real problem here, guys. We'd love to build a factory. The chicken or the egg. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make a lumber factory, yeah. Uh, so Brisbane. Uh, so what? What were the? What was the family doing up in Brisbane? Um, oh, so well. Dad was born there, um, yeah. and Mum was born there. But Mum's family's from Tassie, and Dad's family extended older families from Melbourne. Okay. So my roots are in Melbourne. Um, 
But dad was from Brisbane. But the name Guyton mm. is, um, yeah, that, that's where that is or, or originates from. And, but and, I've always considered myself from Brisbane, a Queensland. Okay. And so what did the parents do when you were growing up? What were they? Uh, dad's in advertising. Yeah. Well, dad did all sorts of things. Dad was a, a rock and roll star to begin with. Um, then is was, that right? Like an actual rock and roll star? Yeah, like toured the States and like they were the biggest kind of local band in Brisbane. So they opened for many big names like Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder and Billy Joel. And um, dad had a TV show, kind of the first kind of music kind of rage kind of countdown show called Seven Goes Pop. Right. Um, and then he got into radio. He was in at 4BK, which is now B105. And, um, uh, and then after that, he got into advertising. Right. Um, so there was a bit of show business in the family already. I guess it, absolutely. Yeah. Did you always want to be an actor? Yeah, I guess so. Well, I knew I was always, uh, really enjoyed it and, uh, I really, really loved it and was aware that I had talent in that area. Um, but was also aware that as my mum would always say, 0.05% of the acting population never make, make a living. Um, so when I finished school, I'd just did an arts degree for a year, just did all sorts of subjects, you know, business. You were like, this will make me more employable. Yeah. I'll do an arts degree. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember then Then when I finally started uh, my acting degree, uh, I just remember, I'll never forget this, in the toilets, uh, I looked over at the toilet paper and above the toilet paper it said arts degree dispenser. Yep. Someone had graffitied that there. <laughs> I was like, ah, right on. <laughs> but I wasn't there to get the degree. I was there to learn the skills of of acting. And, uh, yeah. So hang on. Was that the answer to the question? It doesn't matter. We've got, we've got time. We'll, we'll meander through some stuff, but I'm really interested in when you first acted. Do you remember the first thing that you ever did that you would consider acting? I guess maybe grade one. Oh, okay. So Uh, early. Yeah. The, a friend and I, a friend had come for a sleepover and we were just doodling and we were made some like puppets we drew some animals and on and two pieces of paper and then, you know, staple them together and you stuff them with other pieces of paper. So, yeah. you know, it 3D a bit and then sticky taped rulers to those puppets. And, and I remember doing a puppet play behind the, the blackboard, you know, the little blackboard on wheels and doing a little show for the, for my classmates. Um, and I do remember that they just really loved it. And I remember like, enjoying that, that they enjoyed the, my storytelling for them. And, you know, obviously after that, not obviously, but after that, everyone else was doing puppet plays. So, you know, I just thought, Hey, I've, I just remember that being a, a bit of a, a seed being planted of like, Oh, Hey, entertaining. It's cool. I like that. Telling stories. Yeah, that's good. Um, and at high school, was there like, you know, high school musicals or theatre productions and things like that that you got involved in? Yeah, yeah. So then I did a Stedford's and... Um, oh, so the Rocker Stedford? No, 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 no. Just a speech and drama. Oh, okay. So reciting poetry and prose. Okay. Um, uh, I had a vision of you doing an environmental dance to, uh, you know, f- kisses, I was made for loving you, baby, or something. I'm very, I'm not tone deaf, but... I can't hit notes. It's tough. Okay. My, my two-year-old son's catching me on it already as well. It's I can learn a song, mm-hmm. you know. I've been in a musical, but anyway, uh, I digress. Um, so, yeah, a little bit of that, but, yeah, then school plays, um, which were great. Okay. So when you decide that you want to be an actor, when do you know, can you remember, like, because I'm often interested in 
Did you know before you told people? Like, was there a sense in your mind of going, I want to do this, I want to be an actor, before you then said to the world, I want to be an actor? Or yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was at school, yeah, doing theatre sports, especially at school, was really you know invigorating and okay. enlightening and exciting and just awesome fun. Just that that the that moment of live being in the moment, which is what I love about theatre sports. I, I I really want to get back into it. Actually, we'll just watch it and we'll learn more about it. You know, the, whose line is it anyway? That kind of stuff. It's just so. In the moment, I just love that. But yeah, I remember doing that at high school. Josh Lawson actually was in a competing team from the other school, and we beat him. Yeah, take that, Josh. Oh. <laughs> you know what the great thing is? He'll he'll be mad that that's come up. He'll be mad that that's on the public record now. <laughs> over there in LA <laughs> on his hit TV show, he's yeah. like, "Damn it, Gutton!" He'll be getting a Google alert right now, and he'll be mad. It's like everything's been going very well for me, Gutton. <laughs> No, I don't want this. When when my team stage fright beat yeah. Josh's team, the oxymorons. Uh, <laughs> in 1996, <laughs> at the Blatt Theatre in Brisbane, it was a big day for me. Uh, so hang on, stage fright and oxymorons. Yeah, and I think Ben Lawson was in the team as well. Uh, his brother. My high school theatre sports team was called Over the Top. Oh, nice. Uh, we, had a little, we had a chant. Uh, oh, yeah. That that we introduced ourselves with, uh, which was I, 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 to see if I can remember it off the top of my head. Uh, it was like one of those ones where we would almost say a rude word, but not say a rude word. You know that classic <laughs> sort of you know over the top. We're a team of class. All you others, watch out. We're going to kick ass. Because any questions, we that one of those ones. That's that that when every time the wheel went round, it hit. Yeah. yeah. So uh, high school theatre sports. Uh, I like the idea of uh, what you're saying about the excitement of creation because I often think about, particularly as a stand-up, I think about the idea that eventually creation becomes recreation, right? So, like, sometimes, you know, when you're performing, when you're in that theatre sports moment, you're literally in the act of creating a moment, mm. you know? I'm improvising, I'm here with the crowd, I'm here with these other performers, and we are making something together that has never been made before, and won't be replicated again. Whereas, you know, when you're doing something like you're doing at the moment, where you're doing the Harry Potter, you know, play, mm. you're essentially re you're recreating every night, the same thing over and over again. Absolutely. Um, uh, tell me about those two different states and, and, and what it's like to do each of those things. Yeah. Well, I guess it can become quite terrifying. And it was the idea, the prospect of doing that, the, the, the scripted play, Harry Potter, every night for a year. Um, uh, and, you know, there's just the common idea of you need to find something new. And you can do that, but you start to run out of kind of options and avenues and corners and nooks and crannies to go to. But you can, you really can. And it's amazing, just the tiniest little um, little things that you can find uh, in every word. So, it, and that's what I found I've found fascinating about finding the freshness, trying to find freshness every night on something that you're repeating is um, how much uh, you can be astounded by what, what, how many layers can be within a simple sentence um, in terms of intention or, or history or what, or just, just like raw emotion from you know, that's inspired in that moment or 
um, <laughs> or even accent or just, or just whether you're hungry or not. Right. <laughs> you know, it can, it can really affect every way you be. And, um, so, and, and it's important to, to do that. Otherwise, you know, and I, I'll admit this, that there were moments earlier on, uh, where you start to wander and I would start doing my grocery list in my head while on stage and then there was all of a sudden a silence and I'm like, why is it so cool? Oh, it's my line. Um, and so you need to stay in the moment. You need to be listening. And, uh, yeah. And, and so once you start actively doing that, it opens up this whole world of possibility and, and excitement. And that's more, mostly important for the audience because it's alive. Uh, the play's called Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And I, I had, uh, when I, I wanted to talk to you on the podcast and uh, when we were asking if we could talk to you on the podcast, they actually said, we'd love if you would come and see the the play first. And I, to be honest, up until that point, because I'm not a Harry Potter fan, you know, it wasn't my generation. I never really got into it. I reckon I've seen a movie and a half, and I reckon that's probably out of the four movie, out of four of the movies. Like yeah. I'd you know, watch about an hour and a half. I've got the gist. Yeah. I knew that Harry, Harry was yeah. a boy wizard, yeah. and I knew that there was like Ron and Hermione. He was a bad guy. Yeah, I knew that it was Voldemort. I'm not really sure which one was which. There was houses. I knew about Quidditch. Houses? Mate, you're well into it. Yeah, I knew there was like, you know, you ran into a wall or something. There was a magical train. Like <laughs> I had seen all the memes of people running into exactly. it in real like, life. Yeah. It's hard not to have the gist. Yeah. Right, you know? But I wasn't necessarily across the details of the story. And I thought, you know what? It's in two parts, you know, and it's two and a half hours each, each part. part. Yeah, it's two plays. Two mm. plays. And... So I was like, you know what, I'll go to the first half, mm. you know, and I'll, I'll watch that. And, you know, to be honest, if I've got the gist yeah. and I don't feel like I'm loving it, I'll be like, well, that's fine. Yeah, that's that was good. That'll yeah. be good. I, I know what I'm well talking done, about, guys. right? Yeah. I, I did them both in the same day. I was absolutely blown away by it. I just thought it was genuinely, you know, as you've said, magical. It, it. The way that they've transformed the Princess Theatre, like into, you know, the, just being able to wander around the mm. theatre itself and see what they've done. Millions of dollars just on the interior. It's and the exterior. absolutely mm. stunning. I don't know where the Harry Potter franchise found that money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, hear, I hear they're doing very badly. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's been very hard for them. It's fully art, yeah. Uh, uh, were you a Harry Potter fan before you decided? Uh, oh, reasonably. Yeah, okay. I'd, I'd read um, some of the books mm. and seen some of the movies. Um, I kind of just, I, I, I want to say grew out of it, but just um, my interests went elsewhere because I was in my early 20s when it arrived. So it was, it was fun. Um, but ha now since, obviously, I've read everything and watched everything. And there's this great website called Pottermore, um, which JK writes for. Um, it's her website. It's, it's more Potter, mm. basically just more Potter stuff. Right. Um, and so she'll, she'll write extra articles and things and little, um, uh, it's just an incredible world. And it really is when you throw yourself deep into it, just spellbinding and magical and wonderful and, and just a great way to explore it. Funnily enough, like the human condition in the, in the wizarding through the wizarding world. You know, it's well, this this play in particular, and it got me. I think this got me more interested in the story than even what my knowledge of the story up until this point is. Because, and I don't think this is giving too much away. This is the premise of of, of the play, which is that you know Harry and his friends have all grown up, 
mm-hmm. then suddenly they have children of their own. Yep. And that, you know, this kid who is this sort of I- idealized, you know, boy hero mm-hmm. is now an adult struggling with all yeah. the sort of issues the that. Real human ideas. So, you know, what would Harry Potter be like as a dad? And, you know, and it looks at love, it looks at friendship, it looks at the, the, the excitement of adventure and, and, and the challenges that you meet along the way. So all that stuff to me was absolutely fascinating. I thought it was just like an incredible thing to watch. But one of the things that really struck me, and I've been thinking about it so much since, is that some of it's genuinely scary. Oh, yeah. Now, around me, and again, I won't give away why this is, but at the end of the first play, there's quite a terrifying finale, right? <laughs> and around me, as we were leaving the theatre, there were children crying, like terrified crying, like in a good, terrified in a good way. way. Oh, dear. Well, yeah. but no, but in mm. a, you know, their first, you know, we all kind of remember that first time you went to a movie or stayed up too late with yeah. your parents to watch something and there was an image in it that just scared you for a while. And I think that it's actually very important in life to not be protected from scary yeah, things. Yeah, you're right. You're right. To the, be, the parents are there. They, they know it's theatre. Yeah. They, no, they there's do. no eight-year-old kids who've gone to see that by themselves. No. <laughs> Some kids just saved up 600 bucks by himself and just gone, I'm going to run away from home and go and see the Harry Potter Well, there's flight. some kids that managed to go on holidays overseas with their parents' credit cards before they know. But, yeah, absolutely. It, it is there are moments that are absolutely terrifying, which is one of the great things about the whole world is that JK doesn't hold back. It gets so dark in the books towards the end. The last three or four books are really dark, very horror, you know, deep themes. And, and you, sh- you know, the world isn't fair. And I think it's important for kids to learn that is, you know, it's like we should definitely aim to be to live by the rules and, 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 and be honest and good to each other. But ultimately the, you're going to come across evil and, and deception. And, um, and that exists in this show very much so. And it's a great lesson to, you know, tackle and, and learn and, and discover how other people and watch how other characters deal with that. It was, it was the thing that I took away the most that impressed me was that, that it didn't shy away from, you know, delivering some real, darkness yeah as people and, say it's, it's not it, oh it's a musical it's not a musical no it's a piece of theater and it's and that's also the great thing about theater i mean this might be something we want to talk about later but it's the beauty of this it more so than a book more so than than a film is that the beauty of theater is that it's live the audience are there in the room with the actors who are telling this story so every time we speak the audience reacts whether it's a gasp or a laugh or or, or silence, dead silence. And the actors feed off that. And the audience, it's a to and fro kind of relationship. And anything that happens like this particular event that you speak of, that happens, it's, it's shared by everybody. It's, it's, um, and that's the most beautiful thing about it. It's, 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 it's alive. It's, it's living in its own kind of independent truth in that moment every night. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It makes sense. Are you amazed at, because uh, I'd be very interested, because as a stand-up, you know, you were very aware that from night to night, you know, a reaction to a joke or a reaction to a moment might be very different mm-hmm. with the audience. Uh, in something like this, uh, what you'd imagine if you're not thinking about it at all is that the audience reaction is the same 
every night. You know, you get 3,000 people in a room. Yeah, this is the bit they're meant to laugh at. This is the bit they're meant to be shocked at. Mm. Um, tell me what the truth is. Is that the case? Is it pretty, you know, I know this will get a big laugh. I know this will get a shock. Or is there nights where you're just like, oh, that got a different reaction tonight than what it got, got last night? Absolutely. It's, it, it is different every night. And it's and for that very reason. Um, you have a different combination of demographic, you, you know, <laughs> Wednesdays can be, uh, uh, I don't know, generally the Wednesday matinee is known as to, you know, to be the, the blue rinse kind of crowd. Yep. And, <laughs> but it's, it's a bit different with this one because it's a double show. And, but we noticed during the school holidays, uh, there were obviously a lot more children in the audience and that really changed the, the reactions. And, uh, there's generally always a laugh where you expect there to be a laugh, mm. but the size and magnitude of that or, or the, 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 the timing of the reactions are always different, um, which feeds you. And, uh, yeah, as I said before, it's the same idea. It just, it just keeps it unique. It keeps it individual to that moment. Every performance is its own thing. How do you enjoy, because I mean, I'm someone who understands you know, like I've, you know, I'm a, a laugh junkie, you know, like, you know, all I want to do is make people laugh. Mm. Whereas you're, you're an actor who's got a wide range and have played a whole bunch of serious characters. And, you know, uh, like a lot of your work has been obviously on film for television, these sort of things, um, where that you don't have that live interaction with the audience, but you have so many good, funny lines in this, you know, in this Ron's show. very lucky in that respect. And yeah. also your performance is hilarious. Thank you. Is it? Fun? You know, are you having just fun feeding off the idea that, you know, you get to go out there? That's one of the reasons why I was, I was keen to take the job, uh, because if it was, you know, gut wrenching, sobbing, crying every night, you know, stabbing yourself in in the heart every night, I don't think I could do it for a year. Um, cause I, I want to go there truthfully every night. And, um, and there are still some very deep moments that, that Ron visits in this, in this show, but he gets to go on and, and, and that's kind of Ron's, you know, philosophy on life is just, Hey, like let's, you gotta, you gotta laugh, you know, let's, we've got to, we can't always be, they're also, um, uh, maudlin. I'd say most of the characters are, they're also maudlin. They just want to just, just worry and, and ponder about the darkness that's out there. And, and Ron's like, Hey, uh, have we forgot about having a laugh? You know, yeah. let's have a joke. Let's, uh, let's light, light, you know, I, if he, if he had a theme song, it would be the Monty Python's always look on the bright side of life. It's, um, it's just the way I kind of see him. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. So I guess in terms of like getting those laughs, uh, or achieving those laughs, it's something that I did kind of try to experiment with for the first few weeks or few months was like the timing or you know, do I wait another half a beat here and then hit that line? And, and you really could, you discover you can actually play the audience a bit like a fiddle or whatever you'd like to use. But then I discovered, uh, even more so, the more that I for- ignored that and went back to just being in the moment of the actual production of the actual story, l- being Ron and listening to Hermione and, and being in the scene and actually reacting genuinely more so <laughs> as you would naturally, that's when you got the biggest laughs um, or the biggest reactions. You, it's um, it's funny like that. There's some physical gags and things that that really work well if you time them just right. But yeah, in terms of lines and and because acting is ultimately reacting, 
you know, you've got to just listen. If you're listening to someone say something, then you react to that. People ask you how you learn your lines. It's like, well, you've got to learn everyone's lines. It's, you don't, someone says, hey, what, you know, where shall we go next? And then that inspires your answer. And, um, and that's how you remember your lines. So the best way to learn your lines and be in the moment is to listen and mm. react. So, yeah. I, well, I wasn't really listening to your answer there, no. but I assume <laughs> well, I it was did, great. I did wander no. off. <laughs> no, no. waffle on, yeah. Uh, no, it, it, absolutely. And you can tell that. And I think that even if an audience doesn't understand that they're doing it, I think an audience can understand when an actor thinks the funny bit's coming up. You know, when they're anticipating it, the audience can feel it, even if they can't process it in their mind, that that's what they're feeling. And the more that the line comes out naturally, mm. the more the audience has an opportunity to go, no, we're making our own choice yeah. to laugh here. Yeah. Even if 3,000 people are suddenly laughing together, they all feel like they individually made their own choice to laugh Ooh, in that moment. It's funny because it's true. How right. many nights a week do you do? How many uh, shows a week are you doing? We do eight shows a week. Uh, Wednesday to Sunday, so you do the double on Wednesday. You do part one Thursday night, part two Friday night, and double on Saturday, double on Sunday. Okay, so it's it's quite a lot of work. Like you know, it is. It is. Um, it's less so now. It was a, it was a really hard slog for the first six months when we were rehearsing and teching, and then in, especially in previews when we continue to rehearse and do shows at night. Um, starting to lighten off now. So what's that like as a as an actor? Because like I just as in for your life, I mean, like because you know obviously you know a lot of the time acting is you know it's it contract work. I mean it varies. I imagine like you know if you're doing a film, it's just like you know a, a bunch of days in a row. If you're doing a TV series, it might be shot in a completely different way. Um, what's it like just having essentially? A day job, right? Like, you know. Absolutely. It's one of the reasons why I took the job for like with a year's contract is, uh, was the, uh, idea of having, having that routine, uh, being able to plan. My wife just had a baby two weeks ago, our second. So I've got a two year old and a two week year old. And, um, and it's, so it's, it's still hard because the hours are, are strange, but at least we can plan around that now. And it's also the job security, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're, we're famous in Australia, but we're not necessarily that well off as yeah. actors. <laughs> we don't get paid as well as the rest of the world. And um, anyway, just to have that security of, of, I know I've got work for a year, um, a regular paycheck. I've got leave. I've got annual leave. I've never had holidays <laughs> before. I've, I've genuinely been on holidays my whole life yeah. and then worked here and there. <laughs> yeah. Or unemployed my whole life yeah. and worked here and there. But it doesn't really feel like a holiday when you're unemployed and you're wondering where your next job will no, be. No, exactly. Yeah. Whereas when you've got a job and they go, oh, this is your holiday now, exactly. you can actually go on a holiday. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been great to have that um, routine. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, uh, I always ask on this podcast and uh, uh, if somebody has a philosophy. And uh, it can be about anything, work, life, love. It can be about a range of things. And it's a completely valid thing to say that you don't have one also. Mm. But um, I know this has been sprung on you a little, uh, but do you have one? That's okay. Yeah, you did mention it just before we started. And I was like, oh, philosophy, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, some of the clue is in the title, but yes. <laughs> and, and what is a philosophy in, in itself? I don't know. Um, well, I, I, I would like to mention this because I think I've changed a lot. I've grown, right. I've evolved, as you should, I think, and as, as that's what life's about. So, But what, what I found fun in my 20s when I was 
footloose and fancy free. You know, I lived, I lived in Bondi for 12 years. Just, I lived at the beach and I was, I was a big, I am still a big water baby. And I was really into vibrations, man. And, um, <laughs> it's compulsory, but I still by stick... the way, if you say vibrations yeah. that you have to pause and then say, man, well, no, with a hipster accent, yeah, man, so, man, man, it was kind of English man. man. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Vibrations, man. <laughs> Not man or man, man. Man. Yeah. That's it. You've got it. You've got it. <laughs> or like naan bread, like man. Like naan. That's it. With a double A. Yeah, man. man. Yeah. yeah. Vibrations, man. Um, and then we'll get some naan. All right. Let me, let me try yeah. and make this quick. Okay. So nothing's actually solid, right? Everything's made up of atoms and particles mm-hmm. and they're all bouncing off each other. So yep. like this desk is not actually solid. It's just tiny little things and they're literally just bouncing off each other. Same with you, your body, your whole blood and skin and bone is, it's still little, little particles that are bouncing off each other. So they're all vibrations. And um, how do I, God, I haven't done this for about 15 years, as in spoken about it. (laughs) What was my other thing? Right. Um, And then also that was kind of early on in my 20s was when digital was really coming in, like Mm -hmm. linear was moving away and then then there was ones and zeros. You've either got on and off, like you can create a whole colorful picture, like a JPEG, just from a combination of ones and zeros. And that's that whole coding can tell you what colors goes here into this pixel, etc., And so that really simplified things. It's just either on or off. It's a, it's a vibration. It's, it's positive or negative. It's a one or a zero. Um, I like what you're saying. Mm. So tell me how that, then you, what that meant about so, how so you were living your life. So it's all vibrations, man. Yeah. And, uh, and so <laughs> just being, a big zeros, water baby, being a big, being, being a big water baby, yeah. um, a wave, uh, in the ocean can be formed simply by a butterfly flapping its wings, you know, the tiniest little ripple way out in the ocean will then, uh, move. So, and a wave in the ocean isn't, um, it's a piece of energy moving through the water. So the water just goes up and down. The water doesn't actually move along the ocean as the energy flows through it, it just goes up and down and until obviously until it hits the shore and, and might topple over itself like, you know, in the barrel man. Um, but, uh, anyway, so that being said, it's a p- tiny piece of energy that travels from way out to the shore. And so this is basically it. If you're surfing, if you're riding a wave, man, then you're like riding a vibration. So therefore you're like at one with like the whole existence of, you know, creation. So that's the closest you can be to being at one with creation is when you're surfing. Okay. So <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I know that you're laughing both at yourself and that idea, but... I love it. Yeah, like, it's, I yeah, love it's beautiful. It. Yeah. And I, I, I'm a person. I don't want to let go of that either. No, and I'm a person who has always loved, you know, being by the water. Mm. And part of it is that I've never felt more connected with, you know, the world and the planet than when I'm in the water. Mm. You know, the 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 amount of times that you, if you're just out in the ocean and just, you know, feeling the waves being lifted up and down by the waves, you know, how connected I feel with the idea that, you know, of what we are and living on the planet. So this is an idea that, you know, actually genuinely appeals to me. So now that you're not living, you know, in Bondi, (laughs) by the beach in in your twenties. Without, uh, without two kids and a, and a family. And, uh, uh, look, I, I just guess I'd say where I kind of said it earlier, you just, you've, you've got to laugh in its simplicity. Uh, I used to have that written on my wall as a teenager, just in comic sans, you know, (laughs) landscape printed just just 
you've got to laugh. Um, in the most comical yeah. of all I sense. also had what we dream we become. So, you know, set the B, like you're at A, set the B. Your imagination's your limit. You know, a lot of inventions today are from science fiction writings from the 50s. People imagine things and then people like, like, what? That's crazy. You know, sliding doors or what? You know, video phones or lasers. And then because it's been presented, the idea has been painted for people. They go, hang on, let's figure out how to make that work. Once you've got the end point, you just got to figure out how to get there. So your imagination is your limit. So, you know, what we dream, we become, set the B, just get there. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I, I just don't think you can wallow too much. You've got to, you've got to be positive. You've got to keep a, a positive outlook on life. Um, good mate Damon Gamo has got Twenty Forty coming out. This great, you know, documentary about climate change. And the best thing about it is the angle that he's taking, which is looking at the positives. We can all get so weighed down at the moment with, um, with the horrific possibilities that that are coming towards us that it just all seems too overwhelming and too hard to deal with. But he's created this documentary about the solutions and it can inspire people to, you know, to believe that there's, there's possibility for change. That's a really encouraging thing to hear, to mm. be honest, because I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm probably somebody who I did, I, I wanted to write some stuff about climate change from a stand-up show and, and, and the way that I do that generally is to do some research and... Oh man, that, that was, that was not a good idea. Cause I think that I was genuinely, it set me off into, a, it, I was having some other issues in my real life anyway, that were teetering me on the edge of, you know, what I have probably looked back on now and realized that I fell into a, you know, probably a, a hole that you would describe as like genuine depression, not clinical depression, but you know, depression, hmm. you know, caused by life and circumstance and, and then me spending so much time reading about climate change and the realities of what we're facing and, and what we're not doing about it on a whole mm. range of yeah, worldwide levels that I was genuinely, genuinely depressed about the future of humanity. And now I'm mm. trying to find some hope, mm. you know, out of that. I always think when it comes to children, you mentioned you've just, you know, had your second child it must be something that you at least think about a little when you have a child of like, like yeah. what sort of world am I bringing this child into? It does. It makes it so much more real when you realize that you have much, so much more responsibility now. And, and it is overwhelming and, and daunting when you think, what can I do on my own? But it, it's a very simple idea if we all do that. You know, I've got my, you know, my, my keep cup and my camelback bloody water bottle now and whereas I used to just use a plastic drink bottle all the time like a disposable plastic drink bottle all the time simple things like that I think if we all do it really make a difference and it's just you've just got to do your bit uh, uh, what sort of uh, things do you think about when you have kids like as in like <laughs> yeah what sort of things suddenly that you didn't think about before do you start to think about and that are present in your mind oh Really mundane stuff like, uh, when's the next feed you? And, 
<laughs> what's he going to have for dinner tonight? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> oh my God, do I have to change his nappy again? Yeah, so not big, not big picture stuff, very small picture stuff. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, I've got a son. This Rocco. kid's only vibrations and he's shitting a lot <laughs> for a whole bunch of vibrations. There's a lot of shit coming out. <laughs> Where, does, that, does that smell? Does that yeah. stink have a vibration? Um, uh, of course, like it's like Sohi was just born. My, I have a daughter now, and it just hit me instantly. I was like, I might walk her down the aisle. She might, she might play footy. She might, you know, she might go to, she might hike Mount Everest, <laughs> and um, she might be the first female prime minister. She. Who knows? I'm, I might have a. She might give birth I mean, to a it's grandchild. A bit, it's a bit depressing that if it's going to take that long. To be yeah. honest, though, if she's the first female prime oh, minister, isn't it? that's going to be. Oh yeah, she might yeah. be a prime minister. You know, <laughs> let's hope she she's... might be the fifteenth yeah. prime minister, female <laughs> prime minister. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, oh, of course. They've already, they've already had cover for a female yeah. prime minister. But um, anyway, it's. Uh, President of the world. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the first female president of the world. That's good. There you go. Uh, yeah. No, you do have those those ideas, but it. I don't, it's not, I don't think, for me, it hasn't been that, you know, life changing or overwhelming in terms of. Were you a person who always thought of yourself as being a parent? Were you yeah. someone who, you were always like, yeah, this is going to be part of it? Yeah, want, I've def- always wanted to do mm. and thought I would be good at or capable at. Mm. Um did you ever think about what sort of parent you wanted to be or are you just the sort of person who's like, oh, well, I'll be a parent and then the sort of parent I'm going to be is who I am when I'm being a parent? A lot of my life's been just like jump in um, and, yeah, and it's been the same way. I think it's important that you sort yourself out um, and we're all doing that and it's fascinating, isn't it? I think we're one of the first well, major generations to really look at, you know, self-analysis and self-growth and self-improvement. And I think it's so important because you just, once you start doing that, you see the patterns, you see your parents and you see their parents and you're like, oh, who has a chance? You know, I saw a meme the other day of like this, you know, dad and his toddler and dad's like, be careful where you walk. And the kid's like, you be careful. I'm following in your footsteps. And it's like, wow, it's, you know, memes, wow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think, I think it is important if you're going to be a parent to have a good look at yourself. And, um, yeah. How do you look at yourself? Because this podcast is often about that very thing, which is the idea of self-examination. And well, my wife's been really good at that. She's, she's been fantastic at being my kind of, you know, at-home psych, um, my mental health, you know, go-to person. Um, and yeah, obviously your friends are really fantastic. They're your first go-to and then you might need, I think everybody should get some psychological help or, or just interaction. Um, as you know, it helps maybe, maybe the wrong word cause it, mm. cause it puts a stigma on it. It's, it's, um, let's just call it improvement or assessment or just like tinkering with your with your car or your website. Yeah. Sometimes it's just good to go and see a professional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if nothing else, sometimes not just to put the burden on mm. your friends and family. I found, I don't know if I'm right in this, but I found being an actor has been very helpful. Okay. Cause why? I, Tell me well, why. Well, I assume, this is my theory, is just because we, it's been my pursuit to pursue the human facets of life, like human emotion and the way, like my my job is to, become someone and understand why 
someone would become a drug dealing murderer or why someone would become a, a, a pedophile or, or why someone would be a, a gay dad or why someone would be a, a wizard <laughs> right. that, that's trying to raise their, their children. In a, in a wizarding, you know, you, you know, put, you're putting yourself in different people's different. Oh, excuse me, just got a cramp. Um, <laughs> Is that our first live on the <laughs> podcast cramp? Yes, you heard I it here te- first. I think technically <laughs> I might have had one before, but I covered it up because uh, you know I don't want to really embarrass <laughs> it was my, my hammy guests. too. I didn't want to pull a hammy yeah. <laughs> like on a podcast. <laughs> Why, why can't Guyton do the show this week? Well, he was doing a podcast, didn't he, Sammy? Anyway, he's a real manly man. Yeah, Everything's yeah. fine. Um, okay, so you, you mentioned something really fascinating to me there because I understand that, the idea of... Empathy. Empathy to mm. the character so that you can understand the character so you can convey to the audience that this character isn't two-dimensional, that they're three-dimensional, that even if their actions are terrible, here are the reasons or the motivations or what they believe they're doing, that even though this thing they're doing is repugnant to us, the audience watching on, they, the character, the person, understand the motivations and the reason that they are doing that thing, right? So that idea of examining something on that level is, I I agree, would give you that empathy into other people. But particularly someone like you who has played some people who people would not be immediately empathetic to. So when you do play someone like a Carl Williams, you know, who, you know, is a character that has so much dark side, so much darkness, you know, at least, you know, in the actions around the way that he, you know, lived his life. How do you go about, you know, understanding a character like that? Well, the first thing I kind of realize is that no one thinks they're a bad person unless they're a psychopath. Uh-huh. Like, so, you know, no one wakes up and goes, I'm going to do this today. Maybe if it's revenge, but you know, they, they it's, have, it's they the have... Wor- it is the worst by the way, when, when you, you know, when you realize you're the bad guy in a situation, yeah. like, and you go, hang on, what? I'm the bad guy. Yeah. Oh no. I guess I did come across that way. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't mean to be that No. Way. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mean to hurt you. <laughs> yes, but you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you just said it. Like, it's they have their own reasons, and you need to find find out why. Well, you need to figure out why. If they, you, they can't tell you, <laughs> when you but when you're when tackling you someone as choices. yeah, when you're tackling someone like that, so someone who's you know, um, you know, a, a prominent like you know a, a person who is a like a famous bad person. <laughs> is that the wrong way to say it? But you know, I guess that's yeah. as good a way as any. Notorious. A notorious person. That's that's a great way to put it. How do, what's your actual process to to do that? How do you how do you get inside a head like that? How do you make decisions as an actor about how you understand Well, when he was a real like person, that? like we're talking about yeah. Carl Williams, yeah. Um you just do a lot of um research. I I'd spoke to a lot of people that knew him as many as I could, you know, mostly the detectives that couldn't really get to many of the real gangland guys. Um, although I have met a few over the time in bars and things. Um, you read all the literature you can. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I was playing a character in a drama, in a scripted drama. So uh, it's always within the script. It's within the character relationships and the history of the character. And um, and the choices that are made in those scenes are, are influenced by that story and that background. So... Yeah, you. The best way to make those decisions is to put yourself in there, to practice it out, and um, yeah, and get a feeling for it. 
Uh, so you, you you play an iconic character like that. You mentioned the idea that, and I can imagine this, that occasionally then a gangster's going to come up to you in a bar or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, so, someone from that world, yeah, you know. Colourful because, characters. Yeah, colourful characters. Yeah. yeah. A lot of colourful racing yes. identities. <laughs> <You know? laughs> a lot of different colourful tracksuits and bum bags. Because because you've played someone who's iconic in their world. So they, they feel like they have an immediate connection with Absolutely. you, I imagine. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, that's, I don't know how to elaborate yeah. on that. It's true. They they come up and they slap me on the back and they say, oh, I used to roll with Carl. And I was like, good on you. I'm from Brisbane. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually an actor. <laughs> uh, so then uh, there's that sort of fandom. And then you move into a world like Harry Potter, which has some of the most hardcore fans of all Amazing time. Amazing fans. What has that been like, you know, being exposed to the fandom of Harry Potter? It's epic, isn't it? It's just crazy. They're, they're there in their robes and their their different houses because you can be sorted. Mm. You go to the Pottermore website and you can be sorted into one of the four, Gryffindor, Slytherin, Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's – but their appreciation is the best part. Like we haven't let them down, um, and there's some serious fans out there who who've let us know how nervous they were to come see see something that wasn't the book um, or a movie based on the book, something new, um, and they've just all been thrilled because, and and the story's finished now. Harry Potter is done. There's absolutely no way it's going to be continued anymore, and that's what they're J.K.'s words. And so it's um everyone's just kind of so happy that it's kind of been finished this way as well and it's yeah look i don't know is the question more about how crazy these fans are or no because yeah. i don't want i don't like to no make because they're not crazy they're just no. they're just passionate yes and that's i guess the thing is like yeah. the thing that i was very made aware of being in the room with it was that i was i was trying to think in my mind and this was going to be my next question to you is that is there anything that i love that much, you know, as in, is there anything that what? I am a fan of yeah, to the level that sure. these people are a fan yeah. of Harry Potter? And I was jealous of that, aren't you? I was, yeah, I was of genuinely it. envious yeah. of it. I mean, at the end, I bought a beanie because I was like, you know what, I want to be a bit of a Harry Potter you do. fan. Well, yeah, it's like if you go to a, a, a an NBA game, mm. you're like, oh, I just, I just need to be part of this. right. Yeah, I'm going to buy a singlet, yeah. even if I don't, you know, yeah. wear it around <laughs> a lot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get something because I want to be part of this. Yeah, Whereas goodness, there were, yeah, there were people. Oh, oh god, dude, that's a bit too close to home for me <laughs> to be honest, mate. But <laughs> been and gone, mate. Been and gone. Uh, so uh, what I want to say is that is there anything in your life that you've ever been, you know, kind of a fan of in yeah, that same no, way. No, and I have had those thoughts. But quickly, just one more thing about that before is like my favourite thing are the overheards. Just what I – you get the third person kind of replay back from like people, friends that were sitting next to other people and what they've been whispering to each other during the show or in interval or something and just the way people's imaginations will just run with it. What's going to happen next? Oh, I reckon this is going to happen. Or like during the show some, some ingredients – from the potion store will be recited and, and people will be like, that's polyjuice. You know? <laughs> because they know, they know right. what the combination to make polyjuice spell is, potion is. Um, but uh, anyway. the, the, the show is a very um, open to people who aren't, uh, you know, yes. Harry Potter. If you don't know the ingredients for polyjuice, yeah. it's okay. It's you'll, fine, you'll but there's through. enough of those hidden you things. You don't even where... need to know what polyjuice is. No, but every yeah. now and again, yeah. I would, 
everyone would be kind of recognising something and I would be a little jealous. Yes. I'd be like, oh, yeah. now and, I wish I knew what that was. What. And I can't think of anything that I've been that crazy about. I mean, I'm mad keen about the water. I love fishing and yep. I love surfing. I love snorkelling. I really do miss my time by the beach in Bondi um, and, and in Queensland where we'd go to Stratty and Moreton Bay and Moreton Island and Fraser Island, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, and I don't get to the water as much here in Melbourne, but so if, if there was anything I was fanatical about, it'd be the water, um, the ocean. Um, but no, not to that extent, not to these, the way these fans are, are crazy about Harry. Uh, we'll start to wind up. It takes me a little while to wind up because I've got a few questions I'd like to ask okay. before we finish up. Now, the first one might feel a bit full on, but uh, it's just all I'm really asking is what do you reckon life's about? I know it's a big question, but um, it starts by me asking this, which is uh, do you think about death? Are you a person who you know thinks about death? Is death a thing that is present in your thoughts, in your mind, in the way that you live your life? Uh, not, a, not a huge way, but I guess as I get older and older, you're more aware of it as you see, you know, your parents aging and you, you farewell your grandparents and et cetera, et cetera. Um, you look at like really normal things like, like housing and, and like care, special care and things like that. You're like, oh, hang on. I'm going to be there one day. What's going to happen to me? Um, I wouldn't say I'm overly religious. I was brought up a Christian. I was brought up a kind of Anglican Christian and uh, I'm not, I'm definitely not prescribed to any religion anymore. Um, I do still think there's some greater power. I, I would go that far. I, I think there's something. I, I, I just, in my waters, I just can't say no to that idea. I don't obviously don't know what it is. I don't know if there's an afterlife or you continue on. I think maybe you leave back on the vibrations thing, man, is that you can leave like your energy around and, um, in, in, in things, in your surroundings. And, um, uh, I'm not necessarily scared of death, but I don't think there's, I don't believe there's like, like literally chapter two, like, you know, where I'm, I'm Guyton again. <laughs> so I'm very aware of like making the most of this life um, and enjoying it and, and you know, so, exploring it. Uh, what do what do you find most meaningful about your life then? When you when you are living life, if you feel like it's, you know, not to go to a heaven or a hell, not to, you know, it's about the vibrations, man. Mm. Um, what then gives your life mo- the most meaning? When you're in those moments where you're going, yes, this is me living my life. Mm. This is what life is for me. What are those moments? Well, it, it has to be relationships. I really feel that. And it it was definitely experiences, and that's part of it. You know, I was a wanderlust, wanderluster before the hashtag existed. And, and gosh, it was it's so great exploring the world, and I plan to do more of it. it there's so much wonder out there, and it's, it's great, but it's sharing things that's the most. Uh, as an actor, I've discovered it's, it's a lonely kind of celebration if you – like I've won some awards and it's like, yay, I won an award and there's no one to share it with. And people, your, your peers and friends are like slapping you back. Well done, mate. But they're not there that with you. So it's just like, you kind of get home. You're like, oh, okay. Uh, but then you do a, a play or, or a production that, that you win as a group. This is just as an example. And, and it's like, you've got a team thing that you can share. And, and I think your relationships are the most important thing when you can ex- ex- go wandering and ex- share that with somebody 
or, you know, have a family and, and create children and, and, and share that creation. Um, or, and just old friends, reconnecting with old friends has happened a few times lately. And it's like the memories, creating memories, you know, is, is a really great thing to, to, to have a memory that you can then share with someone in the future is really special. Uh, if you had a time machine and you were able to go back to a moment in your life um, and have it over again, is there a moment in your life where you would take that option or are you a person who subscribes to the idea that everything's happened, you know, brought you to where you are? Oh, it's just too big a question. Like, it's That's, like, what's your favourite movie? How, this is how we get it's to the big questions movie. at the end. It's like, I might, I might answer it, but I'd, I'd really want to mull over it for a month. But like, that's the moment. Mm, okay. Not that one, not you that can, one, this one. You can ring in. But, maybe. Uh, <laughs> maybe if it was just about, you know, fly on the wall watching something again. Yeah. Oh. For sure. I definitely want to do that. What would you want to watch? I don't know. I can't tell you straight away, Will, because I just couldn't think about it. Like, it, I, you know, there's, there's like, oh, me winning the swimming carnival when I was 10 or like, or, you know, the birth of my son and my child or like meeting Alex or like, I don't know, walking on set for Underbelly or I don't know, uh, diving off a waterfall in, in, down in Northern Territory or, um, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll ask you a different question. Is there a time in your life that you would like a do-over on? Something that went wrong or something that you regret? No, I, I'm one of those like, yeah, look, mate, yeah. I, I, I can't single one out. Mm. If, if I were to, I couldn't single one out. So... And I, and I do think it's just all meant to be. Uh, is there a misconception about you that you think that people have? Um, that I'm, oh, what is it? How do I put it? That I'm, I can be rude sometimes, but I'm, I'm quite uh, potentially on the spectrum, I think. And, uh, so I have had a lot of trouble with like sarcasm and, you know, just, um, just engaging where things are at. And so I take things a lot quite seriously sometimes, but at, at now in my old age, like I've learned that you just kind of, you've learned the social con- constructs of, of life. And so you figure out how it all works. So I'm a lot better at that now, but yeah, sometimes I can be, um, a bit confusing to people cause I'm, I don't get that they're joking. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, if people were to think of one thing or say one thing about you when they think of you, ideally, like this is not what do they say. This is what would you like for other people to say when they think of you or to think of when they think of you? Oh, Guyton, he's all right, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's a really good answer. And that feels like a great place just, to... Just all right. Yeah. yeah. God. Yeah. Well, you know what? You have been all right, yeah. mate. You know what? You're all right. You're Will. all right, Will. mate. You're all right. And you're all right yeah. too, mate. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, if you can get a ticket, they've just released another 50,000 of yeah. them. Uh, so please... Up to March next year. Go so. and see it. I, I honestly... You know, I, I don't recommend things that I don't like, and I have been raving about this to, to people. It really blew my mind. I just thought it was such a wonderful production. Everybody in it is so fantastic, and um, just the actual scope and scale of it is uh, magnificent. And I imagine that uh, there's going to be a really cool time in your life at some stage when your kids start re- reading Harry Potter books, and you're going to be able to tell them that you are... Uh, you yeah. played Ron Weasley. That's exciting. In fact, actually. you're going to be able to spoil how it all turns out for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rocco, my two-year-old's already into it. He's already doing Expecto Patronus and things like that. So, yeah. Mate, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much Thanks, for doing Will. this. See you, mate.